Good afternoon. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Nice to be with you. Wallace Chapman here, Julie Woods and David Farrow today. Now there's a multi-vehicle crash blocking the left southbound lane after the Wormsley Road off-ramp. This is State Highway 20 Southwestern Motorway. So pass the scene with care and expect delays. The MediaWorks radio station Today FM launched just over a year ago to much fanfare. A station that believes in fairness, accountability and truth. And a station that wants to help understand all perspectives and not jump to conclusions. We won't get it right all the time, but we can't get it wrong if we do it together. So hi to my, welcome to the all new Today FM. On the inaugural show of Tovish, you almost matched the Paul Holmes-Dennis Connor walkout with New Zealand First Leader Winston Peters hanging up on her. And just over a year later, here is some of what happened today. I'm Duncan Garner. Welcome to uh, Duncan Garner today. And Tova has just walked into the studio with me. We're doing this live. Tova's walked in. Tia, Tova. Bring it, bring it in the newsroom as the well. The newsroom's coming in as well. We're Duncan. being, we're being, we're being not rolled. Well, maybe we are, but we're being, um, we're rolling into the into the studio. Yeah, I don't know. Um, guys, come in, come into the studio. Bringing in our, our today FM news team. I don't know how much longer we're going to be on air. So everyone, grab a mic. What's the deal? It sounds like it's over. So we haven't been given a chance. We've been on air for just a year. We were told that we had the support of everyone, from the chief executive mm. through to the board, through to the executive, and they have f***ed us. And we're all going to lose our jobs, and the station is coming off air, and... As of what? As of today? I don't know. This is betrayal. Yeah, quarter past 12. We're all That's getting bit. herded in. It may well be earlier than that, too. I'm not sure. Um... Yeah. So basically, folks, what, what's, what's happened now is that um, the whole crew from Today FM's come into the studio with me here, and um, there are people crying and really upset and, um, and shell-shocked. Duncan, um, we've, we've got to interrupt. We've been instructed to play music. We've been told to come, is, we're coming off here. This is it, guys. I thank you for your phone calls. Uh, I thank you for, for all your phone calls, all your support, all your love. And um, this, is the, this is, looks like it's the end of us. We've been, we've been pulled off here right Without now. Without even yep. given a chance. Thank you we're for listening. Thanks, folks. Now, bosses are to reveal the station's fate in about 50 minutes at 5 o'clock. With us is Tim Murphy, co-editor of Newsroom. Kia ora, Tim. Hi, Wallace. Well, they don't come more brutal than this. That's what you said on Newsroom, Tim. Uh, how, in the way it was done? Oh, yeah, that, that you can be pulling the plug on a media company, um, a station, a whole lot of lives and livelihoods live on air or allow it to develop in a way that can go out live on air, yeah. One year and a few days, Tim, and former Today FM boss Dallas Gurney a year ago said, uh, look, a realistic competitor to the juggernaut that is News Talk takes years to develop. The time frame was five years. What happened? Yeah, I think it was probably a, a bit of a problem for MediaWorks to have ever guaranteed or promised people joining them that there was a five-year project. Uh, it is extremely hard. It's probably the hardest um, toe-to-toe competitive sector of the media up against Newstalk ZB. Newstalk ZB is so dominant in the talk radio area, the commercial talk radio area. Uh, so they were they were on a bit of a hiding to nothing. They spent a lot 
probably spent too much initially, and that's been the thing that's been hovering over them, even though they got a bit of revenue and a small, and they were patient about the audience, but, you know, they'd spent too much. They did have a massive ad budget, Tim, but there are also some pretty high private interviews. I mean, Tova O'Brien and team travelling to Kiev to interview President Zelensky, that interview was even the subject of a, um, a detailed podcast on this station here. You ask yourself, what else could have been done to get those ratings up? Yeah, they certainly marketed it. They had big names. Um, I think what gets it up is constant um, high-profile news breaks and attention and high appeal content. It's easy to say, but for a while um, in the middle of the year, so you know, they started with a bang. Recently, they've had a new marketing budget. I mean, television ads just started last week or the week before with Tova featured on them. Um, between the two sort of runs of big marketing, uh, things went a bit flat. Uh, this year, they, they got back into their stride with the storms and with the change of prime minister and things and did pretty bloody well. But unless you're able to constantly get yourself out there and when you're up against something like Newstalk ZB, it's just very, very hard territory. Was it, before we go to the uh, uh, panellists, so was it a pet project? Was it a pet project of uh, Cam Wallace? Because it was also seen as quite the drain on other stations that were garnering um, a lot of the money for MediaWorks. Well, you could say that because Cam is a, it was and is a news junkie, and he was quite clear about that. Uh, he, he saw, A, there were problems at the existing talk radio show they had, which was Radio Live, so in trying to sort that out and try and carve some revenue out of the talk side of the, the business, MediaWorks is very successful in music, hugely successful. So they were looking to how they could get a slice of what Newstalk ZB has. In trying to do that, they, they, they went hard out for this. Um, you know, what you mentioned there about the news guy, sorry, the, the, the music guys uh, making the money and being maybe a bit resentful mm-hmm. over the, the obsession with talk. Um, Tova mentioned that herself this morning on air, that she felt they were white-anted from within and that uh, someone in their own organisation was kind of uh, working against them. Um, And that could only have been the music side of the business. All right. Julie Woods, uh, what about you? Did you, you're in Dunedin there, did you tune in every so often? Well, I tuned in for the cricket, actually, Wallace, because uh, today FM on Rover um, covered the cricket when nobody else was so I really enjoyed that um, and of course I heard most about them when I listened to Media Watch with Colin Peacock and Hayden Donnell they were constantly um, featured on there so okay. I just I just wonder whether they hit the right spot Alright, stay there Tim, D- David Farrow, did you tune in? Uh, not really I was interviewed on there a few times by not a big talkback radio Person, I do wonder if, and if Tim has a view on this, whether in this a polarised society we're becoming, it's just very hard, especially for talkback radio, to try and be a bit where in the middle, that you really sort of have to be here, we're left-leaning, we're right-leaning, etc. So you, you tend to get that solid base behind you. Um, yeah, David, I, I think there's something there, you know, that, that News Talk has got the lock on, on the centre-right, right if you like, 
Uh, they were trying to go in the middle. And, you know, the middle, as you know, too, in politics is a difficult bloody place. And so here, you know, they were they were trying to be a different kind of talk. But I do wonder whether you know, centrist people have a lot to offer and talk back, really. Okay. Now, in terms of uh, longevity, because one of the angles Tim has been saying, okay, you've got to keep it going for years. Duncan Grieve mentioned in his piece, uh, here's the answer. Um, start a talkback show um, from years ago. That's the answer. Well, there was one, and it was called Radio Live. Uh, uh, ratings at the end of it, uh, Tim, not insignificant. Do you think um, <laughs> keeping Radio Live going might have been the answer. Well, Radio Live ran itself into big problems by some of the personalities that got involved before CAM. Um, and so it was a bit of a tarnished brand and product. But you'll remember probably back beyond that, there was Radio Pacific. Yeah. And that had a much longer life and actually at times was pretty successful. Yes. Um, and it traded between different owners and so on. So, you know, this is the fourth or fifth incarnation of the talk brand on this sort of family of stations. Um, but it might be the last. It might be now that these owners just say, let's stick to what we're good at, and we've always been good at, The Edge and The Rock and all these music stations, uh, and start, and The Breeze and more. They've got a whole range of very good stations, uh, and just try to make money there rather than trying to muscle into what seems like very hard territory. All right. Very nice to have you on, Tim. Kia ora. Thanks for your time. Oh, that's Tim Murphy there, who is the co-editor of Newsroom. 17 past four, by the way, uh, the Stuart Nash issue. Uh, we do come to that just after 4.30. But the other big news today, the government has unveiled five scenarios for an additional crossing over Auckland's Waitamata Harbour. What are they? The five options include separate road and light rail tunnels, separate and new bridges, and combinations of a tunnel and a new bridge alongside the existing Harbour Bridge, or would carry light rail from the city centre to the North Shore and beyond. Construction on the Harbour Crossing will begin 11 years earlier than expected. Uh, a final decision is expected midway through this year. With us is Dr Tim Welsh, lecturer in urban planning at Auckland University. Dr Welsh, welcome. Yeah, good, Tim. This has been suggested, I think Minister Wood said this, a nation-shaping announcement. Do you buy that? Yeah, I mean, someone said that, you know, the the best sign of compromise is that both parties are dissatisfied, and I haven't talked to anybody that seems happy with these proposals. Uh, and I think there's a lot of money going into a lot of things that people don't think we necessarily need. There's a lot of money, all right, Tim. Uh, look, are you fully confident that this can be done? Years in, we can't even put a cycling path on the bridge that goes over there now. Yeah, I mean, we've had so many things promised getting over that bridge uh, between Sky Path that was cancelled and then a sudden second bridge that was going to be for cyclists and pedestrians cancelled. And now this, it's it's really hard to believe that much will come out of this other than a, a lot of talk and, and more dollars spent towards deciding whether we can or can't do it. Okay, so this is not sounding promising from an urban planner. David Farrer? Yeah, look, okay, it's very... <laughs> Sorry, just got a little cough in the, the throat there, but yeah, it all sounds very positive. <laughs> Well, the the reality is, I mean, we have space on the bridge to make room for pedestrians, to make 
room for cyclists and to make room for bus lanes. We just have to have the will to do it. Uh, and doing that would also reduce the demand for car trips. So we don't need all this extra infrastructure to be efficient and, and do the things that these other bridges claim would happen. Okay, Julie Woods. I don't know, Julie, if you even care about this. You are, you're in paradise there. You're in the beautiful city of Dunedin, uh, you know, a, a glimmering jewel in the South Island. Here you are talking about extra crossings uh, in Auckland. Well, of course I care, Wallace. Um, I care about Auckland. It's our biggest city, yep. and, um, yeah, we, we have to care about it. We have to care about people getting to work. And the people I care about the most is our, are the disabled community and ensuring that the bridge is accessible for people who use mobility devices to get around. So, Tim, is, is the word accessibility being mentioned anywhere? You know, what happens when we talk about infrastructure like this, all we talk about is mobility. So how fast can you get from point A to point B, but not who can get there and what you can get to. Um, and so unfortunately, this is, this is like most other scenarios. We, we aren't focusing on, on the people that need to make these crossings and the best way to get them over. I would like to know why you're on, David Farah, because uh, cross party support is wanted and for such a gigantic project uh, it will be needed. What's your sense, because you're so uh, close to the insides of National, do do you think that cross party support will um, happen? I think there's absolute cross party support for a second harbour crossing. I think there's absolutely cross party support, uh, except maybe with the Greens for uh, having it start earlier rather than later. I'm sceptical just based on the track record of this government. You know, it's four years since they promised light rail would be complete um, about delivering it. Where there will, I think, be disagreement is do you do a tunnel or a bridge um, and what are the modes that you allow there? Uh, because they both both have huge impacts there. So in terms of a second crossing and having it quicker, you will get very strong support, but fairly important decisions there in terms of bus versus, not bus, tunnel versus bridge and what modes you allow there. Because if you want to have everything, if you want to have cyclists and pedestrians and buses and trains and cars, and maybe they even talk about truck lanes, that's all great, but you're going to have a 15-lane bridge and that's going to cost an, an enormous amount of money. So then it comes down to what's your best right. bang for the buck in terms of improving transport if you can only afford to do so many lanes. Okay. And I see that um, uh, Green Party spokesperson, Julian Gender, says, uh, I can't believe how bad these additional Waitamata Harbour crossing options are. I think uh, ACT Party said they're a gigantic distraction. If if you were put in charge, Tim, um what what might you do? Yeah, I mean, I think I said it in a way, I mean, I would charge people to come into the city. I think most people oh. agree that a congestion charge would be useful. That would reduce the amount of traffic coming in and then provide better public transport by prioritizing bus and maybe someday rail over a harbor crossing 
and also allowing people to bike across if they'd like to. And I think that would solve a lot of our problems very quickly, very cheaply, rather than building more things that people are just going to argue about. I, I just want I just want to come back on that. Is that because I've heard a couple of commentators say that now that actually we're looking at these massive projects and actually. It's not necessarily needed. If you want, there are other ways, easier ways to do things like reduce congestion, which is, by the way, what businesses want here. Is is that something to be mindful of going forward? It doesn't have to cost the earth. Fixes can be a bit simpler. That's right. Yeah, I mean, we're throwing big money at big projects. I think probably because they they make headlines and, and they look good when you talk to voters, but. The reality is we could be doing a lot more with fewer dollars um, if okay. we look for ways to really uh, get the most out of our existing transportation system. Very good. Uh, Dr. Tim Welsh there, lecturer in urban planning on that news today that the government has unveiled five scenarios for an additional crossing over Auckland's uh, Waitemata Harbour. Uh, it's 25 past four. You are on the panel on RNZ National. Today we have uh, David Farrow, the editor of Kiwi Blog, and also Julie Woods, who is a speaker from Dunedin and ambassador for Blind Low Vision NZ. By the way, quite a few people are coming on and really agreeing with you, Julie, about what they call shrinkflation, that they're finding it in every facet of uh, everyday life, be it your toilet rolls, toothpaste, and actually, Tim Tams, Julie. Ah, yeah. Tim Tams, haven't, not- haven't noticed them shrinking. No, no, others have. Yeah, yeah. We, we need to do something about it, Wallace. Indeed, I think we do too. So do you go through phases of food, food phases? Uh, we talked about this with my wonderful producer, Ayana, uh, today, and her phase, it's about a two-week phase, it's fruit loaf. It's fruit bread. How about that? Who eats that? Um, Something you get obsessed with for a while, and then suddenly the obsession drops away, and it's just not a thing anymore. Mine is crumpets with golden syrup. The last time I had that was in 1978. Uh, And with us now is, from Wellington, Annette. Annette, kia ora. Hi. Hi, Wallace. How are you doing? Good. It's lovely to have you on. What's your phase food? Well, Wallace, um, you know, I got this sudden craving, but it wasn't really a phase. It just, it's a permanent switch. Yeah. <laughs> and it was to crumpets. Oh, you too. It was. <laughs> um, but a little bit different with my toppings. I like mine buttered. I don't know if that matters to you. And with um, honey or oh. marmite on them. Why did why did you get why did why did the light turn on for the crumpet? Because there is nothing like a really good crumpet of an evening with tea, right? Oh well, I like mine for breakfast, but yeah, I mean it's just got everything going for it. It's got texture. Yes, it's got you know comfort. Yeah. Goes well with a cup of tea. It's not gone in a moment. Doesn't leave crumbs. Absolutely, Annette. Let's go around the panel and see what their phase food. So, Annette and I, we're going for the crumpet, Julie. 
<laughs> well, I went for the crumpet until somebody told me that crumpets weren't that bad for you, but it's what you put on them <laughs> that was. Um, and I'm yes. a bit with Annette, the, the, the butter and the honey. I'm going back to my childhood, Wallace, where my mother used to make cream caramel. And it oh. used to, it came in a packet and you had to make it up and she made that a lot. And that, I've that never was, heard of it. Oh, oh, it's beautiful, but it's no longer. Okay, so the cream caramel for Julie, which is in the past, but no longer. What about you, David Farrer? Well, not so much for me, but um, I've got a three and a six-year-old. A three-year-old, I think we're on to the second, possibly the third month where for breakfast, the only food he will eat is macaroni cheese. So, so we're we are into some day 60 or day 70 of everything else gets rejected except macaroni cheese. I'm hoping this will be a passing fad. Um, otherwise, when he becomes an adult, he's going to have a very unusual planning situation. Uh, macaroni cheese and uh, that's it. Annette, very nice to have you on. By the way, uh, do you think it'll be just a phase and uh, a short phase or It'll be a longer thing, the obsession with the crumpet. It's sort of, uh, I, I've just been away for a week and I had to take some with me, you know, for my breakfast in the motel. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going to be leaving them anytime soon. <laughs> Good on you. Lovely to have you on, Annette. Um, that's uh, Annette who We're talking about phase foods this afternoon. Ayana's was fruit life. Here's a couple more. Uh, Satara says, Subway sandwiches, thinner. The thinnest of sandwiches uh, and oranges. And also, by the way, impressed, uh, talking about David Farrer's, I've been thinking, I'm impressed with the NZTA having just travelled from Kapiti to the far north. Diane and Blenheim says, my phase food uh, is homemade, homemade muesli for breakfast on one day. And then the next day I have locally baked sourdough toast with lime curd topped with fresh banana. How about that? It is 29 past four. You're on the panel. Now, very shortly, we talk about this um, uh, issue around Stuart Nash. Disgraced former minister Stuart Nash has been accused of breaking the law by trying to cover up the email which ended his career. Nash was sacked from Cabinet after the email sent to donors about Cabinet discussions was uncovered by media. So we talk about that uh, after the headlines. But uh, just after the headlines... A very, very special person turns 55 today, and I cannot wait to play you that song.